We're down the field, the world's largest air-supported podcast. I'm Ty Shelter, he's Chris Burke, and this is the Athletics Detroit Lions podcast. You know, here at Backward Down the Field, we are not just producers of fine spoken word streaming audio. We're also consumers. Chris, my wife, hip me to a podcast called Dr- Disgraceland. It's a kind of, you know, true crime in the world adjacent to rock and roll sort of thing. And he does this great opening bit where he kind of, you know, talks, oh, so-and-so, they made great music. The track that I just played for you talking under this, that's not great music. That's a loop from my keyboard called Organ Groove Cuban Number 3. Like, it's not Hey Jude by the Beatles. Like, why would I play you Hey Jude by the Beatles? Because that was the number one song when, like, this went down. And so if we could afford it, we I, I would have introed us right there. That track that you just heard was called Hot Rod from a DRM-free music site called Purple Planet. It's not money by pink floyd because chris for a day you were part of the high fidelity first class traveling set with matt patricia mark d'antonio assorted other uh highlights of the michigan football coaching scene going down to alabama for mick saban's coaching camp i mean chris are you think you're gonna buy you a learjet i uh i'll be honest that was the part about this whole plan that i was uh least convinced about i don't love flying in general and when they're when they're like yeah we're gonna we're gonna hop on this tiny little you know i guess it i guess technically it was a it's an eight seater there were sort of seven seats and it was pretty cramped oh no um uh yeah that was uh i wasn't i wasn't sure i talked to some other people who had done the the uh private private plane for other stories um katie strang our uh incredible writer and editor in detroit and then uh matt fairburn uh who writes for the athletic buffalo had done something where he'd gone on a scouting trip with brandon bean the bills gm and he said oh Oh, yeah you know i uh i actually kind of you know i preferred it once we got going it's it's just like being in a helicopter it's like that's not making me feel better man like that is (laughs) that is worse (laughs) So I was a little a little unsure, but yeah, we uh, fortunately it was a it was a pretty calm day. We didn't we didn't have to fly through any you know weather or anything. It was uh, it was it's a pretty short flight um, down from Detroit to Tuscaloosa was maybe an hour and a half, hour forty. So it, it was wow. uh, it was about as smooth as it was going to go. But as I mentioned in the piece, like I got on, <laughs> I I went on ahead of Patricia Kevin Anderson. Uh, Patricia's kind of chief of staff went on first and then I went on all the Michigan State coaches were already there and I looked and I didn't see my seat so I walked back off and I'm not sure if Patricia thought I was like freaking out or what but he's like no 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 go ahead and they kind of all pointed to the back (laughs) and I still didn't see the seat and I walked back there there's like these kind of half doors and I poked my head through and it's just like a cooler full of water, a cooler full of beer that no one ever touched. I think the pilot provided it. And then oh, wow. this little tiny seat on the other side. Uh, and I kind of <laughs> had to sit like sideways so I could put my head back because otherwise I was hitting the, the ceiling of the plane. So oh, wow. It was, uh, it was an adventure. Um, it, now that I've done it, I'm glad I did it. But I was uh, the night before I did I. I didn't have a great sleep the night before, I'll tell you that. 
but no Black Hawk Down situation. Like we're no, I mean, I I told my wife when they uh, invited me. Like I kept having these. Uh, have you seen Almost Famous? I yeah. Kept having oh the yeah, yeah. Flight the, the flashbacks we're to the sea all about to die. We're, yeah, yeah. We're we're thirty thousand <laughs> feet over America, and we're all about to die. Guys, <laughs> like I'm gonna turn in this story uh, when we get back. So. <laughs> But okay, so you know, you make the flight, and as you noted in the piece, um, you know, the flight down was off the record, and you you couldn't really hear much of the conversation <laughs> yeah. anyway. Um, which I think a couple of people had kind of that question going into this, which is um, the level of access. Like, how how did this come about? I don't know what you know what what you can say, what you're comfortable saying, but like, how did the pieces fall into place here, where you're on a private jet with Matt Patricia, Mark D'Antonio, and some other guys? Yeah, I mean, I won't go into too much detail, sure. I guess, about the conversations I've had. But I mean, basically, short story is I've had some conversations since this end of last year with the Lions about, you know, just sort of telling them again, like this is the type of stuff we're trying to do here, um, and talked with them about maybe getting some some access this off season. And I think from their perspective, you know, they, um, I think maybe. Uh, are wanting to kind of reset with sort of how the last season went with Matt, you know, sure, Matt Patricia sure. and, and just how everything sort of spiraled pretty quickly. So um, they were open to, to maybe doing some things. And then from honestly, there's not a great story behind this. They called me four days before and said, he's going down there um, to speak at this clinic. I thought they were going to say, you know, would you want to talk to him after it's done and he can sort of fill you in on how it went. And, uh, but they said, yeah, we, you know, we've got an extra seat on this flight um, if you want to come down with us. And then from there, it was just sort of, you know, we had some discussions internally about um, just like, should we pay for this? Like, what's the, you know, just right, some, right. some of the, those journalism ethics discussions. Of, but, um, you know, it was basically Alabama sent the plane up, the Lions weren't it wasn't the Lions playing, you know, there wasn't really anything to pay for. Sure. And it was just sort of a, a cool chance to get some access. Um, yeah, like I said, they just sort of called up a few days before and said, do you want to come down and think it'd be a cool way to short, sort of show um, what what Matt Patricia does this time of year? Um, you know, he always talks about, like, the importance of fundamentals and all these things in press conferences and just wanted to kind of let everyone see – you know that that's just not him talking that that's like something that he really cares about and i said yeah well I'll, sure <laughs> you know happy to do it let's absolutely uh, be yeah. awesome so yeah like i said there's not a great story um it's not like something i've been sort of digging at them for a year specifically about this thing it just was um i, I guess kind of the, something where the groundwork had been laid for better access at some point and this opportunity popped up yeah and to kind of call back to you're the beginning of this past season, about a year ago this time, you know, you and I were talking about this and you're like, yeah, I kind of came in right at the, you know, in the middle of the year last year. Now we've got the kind of coach change. You know, these are the sorts of things where you got to build up those connections. You know, you, you've got to lay that foundation of trust and, and build a relationship between not just the head coach, but the other coaches, the other potential sources are in the building around the organization. And then, you know, you, you get opportunities. So it's, it's cool to see, obviously, again, 
not just as a producer, but as an athletic subscriber, as a fan, to, to be able to get this kind of access and read this. And, you know, how much time did we spend, even you and I last year, talking about, you know, I wish I could get a window into what he's really thinking about this player, or I wish, you know, we had a better sense of, you know, what is this supposed to look like? And you got to ask him the question directly, like, you know, you showed that clip in New England. Is that what it's supposed to look like and he was able to give you an answer i remember we were recording in miami going okay like here's a team that was able to go down there right run the ball they didn't blow you know they didn't blow miami away but you went to a, a decent team on the road in harsh weather conditions very very hot and and get an okay win you know get the dub get back on the plane you know that's that's what you expect from a playoff contender those are the kind of wins you got to get yeah miami that's what it's supposed to look like green bay both those games that's what it's supposed to look like that's just incredibly valuable so again if you think there's value in an athletic subscription you're absolutely right go to the athletic.com and subscribe chris i know you put out uh, a link uh, for a free week and 40 percent off um, in that mention in that twitter chains if you go to chris burke nfl on twitter um, follow that link sign up and get yourself reading this great content because you're not going to find it anywhere else um but again you know talking about the lions aren't paying their way alabama sent the plane up <laughs> you you touched on this you know you think about the the ford family old old money billionaires with, with this incredible franchise that's been part of the Detroit metro area public trust since the 30s. And and the money guys are in Tuscaloosa. Like, they're the ones making it rain. They're the ones with the fancy facilities. Uh, walk me through a little bit of that and seeing that when you're used to NFL facilities. Yeah, I mean, it was it's pretty nuts. And I there I think there are, especially down south in the SEC, there, there are a lot of schools that have I won't say they're exactly like that, but there are a lot of schools that have, you know, similar, just sort of really blown out and just incredible up-to-date facilities. And, um, you know, the, uh, even the guy who's given us the tour that I mentioned in the piece, JT Hill, was saying, you know, yeah, we're we're uh, looking into some, some more renovations. We're doing a, whatever, $500, $600 million update to the athletic campus, like all this stuff. And but their facility is i mean it's incredible like you just walk in and the, they took us right upstairs right away and the first thing i noticed is that you you know you walk in and you see the floor is cut exactly like the the national championship trophy which i yeah. guess makes sense because it's alabama but you know they've got the <laughs> the rings all over the championship rings like the, the the these really cool helmets on the wall where it was just scrolling every nfl team and scrolling the names of every Alabama player who played for those teams on these digital displays inside the helmets like there was a virtual reality area the weight rooms humongous like all the all the uh not just football but I think the entire athletic program uses that weight room like it's just it's sort of fascinating to see and I think you know um one of the quotes I didn't necessarily didn't use in the piece but Matt Patricia just sort of walking through the building with him as they were taking you know, they were taking some photos for maybe some updates they want to do uh, around Allen Park. I think someone actually asked about that on Twitter. But, you know, they're saying that, yeah. some guys guys come out of these programs and they get to the NFL where teams have had these training facilities for years and years and years and they're just sort of doing cosmetic updates and they're like, oh, what the? What? <laughs> I had all this in college and now, <laughs> like, it's yeah. the, even the and like, you're right, even the NFL teams don't really compare to uh what some of these these schools have it's uh, pretty incredible to see 
Uh, yeah, you you called it out, Carter Bright at Bright Guy nine 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 said, "I'd enjoy hearing more about the potential renovations that are mentioned for Allen Park." I don't know how much you got into it uh, there. If you have any more than just you put in the piece that yeah, they're they're snapping some pictures, they're having some conversations. Did you talk about that at all with them? Yeah, a little bit. Um, and and I mean, I think the sense. And I, I think I answered this in the comments too, because someone had a similar question. It's just most of the stuff that they're looking at is just kind of cosmetic touch-ups around uh, the Allen Park facility and sort of ways to put it, maybe some more personality on it with uh, that they didn't have time to do after Matt Patricia got hired last sure. year. So they, you know, they snapped a shot. Alabama has this really cool mural of like it, it's the players running out of the tunnel, but it's like all the historical figures from their program so there's like oh cool. Namath or you know a bunch of all these all these guys that have have gone through there um and so they they you know, snapped a photo of that They're like oh they, that'd be awesome to do you know in our weight room or wherever and then uh there I, there was a a spot where Alabama in their kind of rehab area had all this virtual reality equipment set up and i think the lions have some of that but they were sort of checking into Alabama's got the state-of-the-art equipment, so they're you know, asking some questions about that. So that might be something where uh, they could invest some money. But um, the other thing we talked about, uh, as I, you know, kind of asking Matt Patricia as we were going through, you know, like, are you thinking about doing X, Y, Z at Allen Park? And he said, you know, that basically, if you've ever been out there, I'm sure you've been out. I know you've been out there, and if yes. any, you know, fans have been out there, like, it's the footprint of it's pretty limited like there's not a whole lot of room where they could expand because it's kind of in like a it's almost in like a business park industrial park right yeah, um exactly. so there's not They're a whole right lot by of room. like roush and like a bunch of other yeah. like auto parts places you know so they don't uh, have a huge like they don't have a, a huge space where they could add like a building just specifically for rehab stuff you know or like an extra practice facility or whatever they so they they basically just have to kind of update um update within that same structure so there's not a whole lot of options unless they somewhere down the line you know move or, or put up a different building so um, i think a lot of it is just cosmetic and sort of touch-ups and adding some personality as we've seen them do here and there since matt patricia got hired but again if there's one spot there was sort of that virtual reality area that we kind of hung out in uh for a little bit longer so that might be something they do but i don't know that it'd be anything necessarily noticeable for people who are coming out to training camp or anything like that right well hey one great way to expand your footprint without expanding your footprint virtual reality yeah <laughs> Just, <right. laughs> hey check out what our facility would look like if it were actually bigger yeah. <laughs> uh but no it's uh, that's that's cool and, and i'm glad that they're thinking in those terms and certainly it's got to be a culture shock um i wrote a piece about the new uh you know then new clemson expansion you know they had like a, a 55 million dollar you know, basically campus on campus, like you said, an athletic campus, a whole separate (laughs) mini city inside (laughs) actual campus for the athletes. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's wild to see how far that's come. Then it's also wild to think that, you know, these guys think they're going to the big time and then they're like, wait a minute, (laughs) I was, I was at the big time. Uh, but let's, let's actually talk about the football team they're trying to build. And like I said, we, you know, we talked about that a little bit. Part of that comes with 
the reputation of Matt Patricia, and that became a bit of an action item, uh, a bit of a topic of buzz around the offseason nationally. People talking about Patricia. Obviously, there was that piece that came out where, oh, what's the most desirable free agent destination? And, you know, in the same breath as the Lions signing a bunch of desirable free agents, including Trey Flowers, who many thought might be you know, the biggest get in free agency. Oh, Detroit, bottom five. Patricia thinks he's Belichick. He hasn't done anything blah 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 nobody wants to go play for a my way or the highway guy when we don't know that his way is going anywhere so but from what you saw at the coaches clinic and the way people talk to and respond to matt patricia football coaches maybe patricia star hasn't fallen among them at all no i mean i think that there's clearly um respect for the career he's had and and his knowledge for the game um you know and i think in terms of the the argument that maybe players don't want to be there or whatever, I, it, I think, you know, you sort of look at Trey Flowers signing, you look at Danny Amendola and some of these guys that know him and are certain, you know, LeGarrette Blunt last year, like they're coming to play for him. So um, clearly not everyone who's played under him um, is miserable. And that's not to say that there aren't some guys who wanted out or were ready to leave this offseason. I'm sure there were, and I'm sure that, you know, his style isn't a fit for every single guy that goes through that locker room, but um, that's probably something that's been overblown, and I mean, I, some of this just comes with, you know, if they go eleven and five this year and win the division, I, that narrative probably goes away, and we'll, you know, right. you go into next offseason thinking, well, I'd look at all these guys that would want to play for a division winner. Like, so I think a lot of it is just, um, again, I think things just went so haywire, sort of out of the gate last year, both with the offseason and then with, you know, the blowout home loss to the Jets and the quick turnaround loss to the 49ers and your season wasn't over at that point but you're kind of on the brink two weeks into the year and so they never really got their footing and uh, I think a lot of the talking points this offseason are just sort of um, still snowballing from last year and, and the Lions are trying to push back against some of that and we'll see you know you gotta like being giving more access to the press is great and and giving people a chance to see uh you know sort of a looser more comfortable matt patricia is great but obviously you know you've got to win at some point uh and i think they know that and i think just talking to him like there's looking back on last year like the the, the stories about fundamentals and there's things that they clearly did wrong last year that's still kind of great on him i mean he mentioned when we were mm-hmm. on the plane just like um, it was, I think, in the first quarter of the game in Chicago. They were on, like, the Chicago 30-yard line, and, and it was third down. Stafford got sacked, pushed them to kind of the fringe of field goal range, and they oh, yeah. didn't have enough guys on the field, so they had to call a timeout. And, like, that play still drives him nuts because, as the, he was explaining it, like, they were right on the edge of where Matt Prater thought he could make it. It's it's a weird facility for field goals as it is and the wind was kind of swirling that day and during that tv timeout the winds shifted to where it was in matt prater's face until they punted from the 36 yard line or whatever and you know never really got back in that game and just those sort of little mistakes not having you know not having 11 guys out there just the little fundamental things throughout the year really drove him crazy and i think that uh he feels that they're in a better spot this year to eliminate some of those mistakes but um, again, you know, you got to get, you got to show it once the game starts. So, uh, we'll see. I don't know. Like, is it like, I'm obviously in it 
uh, more than people listening are, but is it noticeable from, like, for you looking in that he's looser this offseason? Yeah, and of course the public availability is, as we've talked about, limited, you know, but in each of his appearances, he definitely looked, um, you know, at the owners' meetings, every time we've seen him, we've definitely felt the, hey, kind of reboot of Patricia that, you know, he's he's more in his element. He understands what the job is now. It seems like seems like he's comfortable, um, you know, more being himself a little bit. And, you know, some of that is also him being himself. You know, I think some people thought maybe there was a bit of an act uh, going on, especially in a couple of the first couple conferences, his ability to say things without really saying anything when he wanted to versus, you know, being sometimes extremely direct. You know, how much is that is, co- is copying Belichick? Is he trying to throw off an aura? Is he trying to do this, trying to do that? I think we get to see that, you know, when he's relaxed and comfortable, he talks a lot like the sort of quintessential football guy, right? That that really is kind of him. And he really does love this stuff and really does love digging into those details in a way that, you know, not not every football coach seems to be. Or not everybody, every football coach is willing to talk about. And I think, like you said, the more we see of him that way, the more we see stuff like the clip that you mentioned where you see Trey Flowers make the play, come up with a big stop and hurt the running back. You click around and go, okay that was the pass protecting guy we're going to be able to blitz we can send high tower now whoever they put in there isn't going to be able to pick him up just go after the ball execute fundamentals it's i think fans especially need to see that they need to connect and the, and they need to be connected to what's actually happening on the ground because and see what's behind those thought processes so you can see it in action you know what it looks like when it works instead of hey the results are the results because when the results are bad we don't know what the process was supposed to be and when the results are good you also don't know what to blame it on you know who you give credit for that who's succeeding there who's doing it right who's doing it wrong and we spent all last year arguing over well is the offense is it stafford's fault is it cooter's fault is it Patricia's fault? Who's calling these plays that don't seem to work? Who's who's suddenly waking up one day and and putting in all the wrinkles? You know, who is where is that coming from? Being open and explaining that I think gives people that that human connection and an understanding of what's going on. And uh, you know, just frankly then you know the other aspect of being able to see and hear and understand and connect is that you don't have it, it fights against that easy narrative of, oh well, Stafford doesn't want it or oh well the other team wants it more or so and so is not a winner you know to be able to actually connect and see what's really going on is huge it's a huge show Chris what you did was super cool that story is incredible and gives fans a ton of insight but you just threw up a mock draft recording here on Friday lots of interesting things to talk about we are going to talk about that in terms of building a team and what we see next for this critical year in Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn's tenures when we get back here on Backward Down the Field, the world's largest air-supported podcast. Like what me and Chris Burke do on Backward Down the Field, you gotta subscribe to The Athletic Detroit. Get full access to all of Chris's incredible insider coverage, plus all of The Athletic's sister sites all around the country, NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA. Believe me, it's more than worth the few dollars to subscribe to TheAthletic.com. You will not regret it. 
Chris, we are in the thick of mock draft season. I know you are right in your element right now, doing stuff for the Lions, doing stuff overall for the NFL draft, running through your scenarios. What what was the Patricia word? Uh, what was the Patricia word? There was he had <laughs> a word. It was me. running through our our, our <laughs> oh yeah 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 what case studies say? case studies. That's what it was. Case yeah, studies. Yeah. yeah, running through your case studies to kind of see. Um, which it's funny because I, <laughs> I remember you were mentioning that he's like, oh yeah, like all of our case studies, Ragnow was there. So cool, we can just settle on that. And you know, part of me thinks if every mock draft you run, <laughs> the guy is there, maybe. You know, yeah, maybe maybe it's a little bit of a reach. I don't know, but I mean, obviously, no no slight to Rag. Now he's worked out very well. Uh, but so now you're running your scenarios, and and this one you put up number one. This is mock scenario 2.0. What if Detroit commits to putting weapons around Matthew Stafford? Um, so going into this, how 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 did you kind of seed this board? Did you were you targeting like was that your first thought? I'm going tight end, whichever tight end is there at eight, or were you kind of throwing everything open to like receiver, tight end, tailback, whatever? Yeah, I mean, there's the the third scenario within that piece has an offensive tackle going there, so I kind of tossed that one out there. But I think if they go offense uh, that high, and even if even with the trade down, like maybe you pull receiver into the mix at. 14 15 16 but mm-hmm. i think you know tight ends the obvious one still and um and, and you know it, it's one of the things that i think is still kind of tough to figure out exactly how desperate they are there how high they are on these guys um you know I, they like a give a little tease to something coming next week i sat down Ooh. um with kyle o'brien who's the lions vp of player personnel um and had a chat with him and like he hammered home something that Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia brought up, which is they really think Jesse James is, like, about to take off as a player in this league. And his last year average went up from 9 to nine yards per catch to 14 yards per catch. They think he can be that type of guy. And I mentioned it in the, you know, the mock draft piece we're talking about. Yes. Like, if he's, your, if he's that type of guy, like, if you're saying he's going to be that type of player, are you spending a top-ten pick on a tight end? Uh, when you've got that guy, I don't know. I mean, uh, but I think that that if they look offense, if they're saying, "All right, let's get some weapons," that's the obvious play there is to go Hawkinson or to go Noah Fant and just get that guy who uh, is they're different players, but someone who's dynamic in that role. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, as much as you think a guy's about to take off, and that's certainly where you, you kind of want to be if you can accurately project a young veteran where you've got some tape got some traits still that project has a lot of upside left and you think you know in my system or or in this route or this thing that we need this way they're going to be a perfect fit that's great but you also have to look at realistically they need playmakers now you know that they need someone who can change the math now who can force defenses to cover them now and, you know, obviously, James, with his contract, he's going to be here. He's going to have that opportunity. But I think if, you, if you're if you looking at there, if you believe that Hawkinson Orphan can be that guy at eight and that there's nobody ringing your phone with a great offer and you don't believe, you know, Sweat or whoever else is there, if you're sitting there going, we've got to get offensive pieces, to me that just makes too much sense. And what's the worst-case scenario? You have two great tight ends. You can play two great right. tight ends at the same time. <laughs> right. right, yeah. And I think we've seen this league sort of trended that. It, it, I think that's something that's 
slowly happening and probably will continue to happen as we see a lot of the, you know, the two tight end uh, personnel. We see those 12 personnel looks with those single back and two tight ends and two receivers. And uh, that's just sort of base offense a lot of times now. Um, and I, I think we'll, we might see uh, teams continue to do that. And there's certainly room for two guys. And especially, you know, I think especially if you trade down and take a Noah Fant, like he's almost a slot receiver. I mean, I don't, you know, he's not a tight end in the way Jesse James is a tight end. I think he's very well built for kind of the way offenses are trending. And um, as we've talked about before, like if you're going to take a guy that high, the concern with Hawkinson is he's a really good player. He's an excellent all-around player. He's probably going to be a productive player. He's not a blow-you-away athlete. Like, does that concern you at all if you're taking a top 10 guy? I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that yeah. that's part of the conversation. But you're right. I, I mean, if you say this is the eighth, if TJ Hawkinson's the eighth or seventh or sixth best player on our board, and you're sitting there at eight and he's available, like, you should take him. I mean, that's the whole point yeah. of being up there. Like, take the guy right. you think is the best player, like you said. And I, and I always come back to uh, back in the what it would have been 2003 draft. Um, you know, the Saints had just blown an entire draft to get Ricky Williams two drafts before. And they're sitting there, I think it was at 23. And Deuce McAllister, a tailback everybody thought was a, a top five, probable top 10 lock, was sitting there at 23. And, and, you know, they took him like, what are you doing? You got Ricky Williams. And uh, the GM at the time, I don't think it was Loomis yet. I can't remember who it was, was like, look, he was six on our board. If the guy who's six on our board is there at 23 and we don't take him, why did we bother making a board? Right, you know? right, like, exactly. <laughs> why go through all that and then go, and eh, now we'll just kind of play it by ear based on who's available at positions in need. You don't need, you don't need to build a board to do that. Yeah, I, and again, I think that that's the. I think that that's as we've talked about part of why you see Bob Quinn approach free agency the way he does because now, you, if Hawkinson's number one on your board at that point, you you don't go in saying, "Well, we don't need a tight end. We've already got four tight ends." You know, like I think they put themselves in position to draft pretty much anywhere, um, and I think that they know that they still need just sort of upper level talent. Like you go back to yeah. Patricia's talk. Um, at, at that clinic and to the conversation I had with Kyle O'Brien that hopefully people will read next week. Like they, the examples they use a lot of it's, Oh, here's look at this play Dante Hightower made and look at this play Rob Ninkovich made and look at the, you know, look at this play Patrick Chung made and like, who are the lions guys that are making those plays? You know, they need right. guys that right. are just better than the opponent at positions still. You know, they have some of those guys. They have more of them now, I think, than they did last year. But, you know, it's still a roster that that needs to be built up to some extent. So if whoever your best player is, and if you think the best option is to go back six picks, get a, you really like the value in round two, round three, I think that makes a lot of sense this year too because that second day and even into the third day, there's going to be you know, starter caliber guys. So you could walk out of this draft with four or five guys that you might be able to plug and play realistically. So um, it's it's going to be really interesting. You don't want to be picking top 10, but you got to take advantage of being up there if, if you are. 100%. And, you know, I think one of the big failures of, you know, the Matt Millen era 
was, hey, we got a C-plus guy at this position. We're set. Let's go get a C-plus guy at another position. <laughs> or, hey, let's, right. let's draft this rookie and presume he can do the job. Now let's move on, draft another position, you know, and then, oh, every two, three, four years, you come back and go, oh, well, it turns out he's not a difference maker. It turns out, you know, we, we took a lot of high, high floor guys that actually turned out not to be high floor guys, because when you don't have the high ceiling, you're still not that useful. You know, you don't, you don't solve the problem by being a mediocre NFL player. You solve the problem by having elite traits or elite talents or being able to make a play. And ultimately, no matter how smart the coaching is, if you radio in and go, hey, Dante Hightower, this is the down we need a strip sack, that works. <laughs> right, you know, if you right. radio in and go, hey, Paris Lennon, this is the down we need a strip sack, <laughs> you know, this, it's not the same thing. So I, I don't want to spend too much time rehashing the scenarios because you went through them great at theathletic.com. One thing I want to talk about is you talk about moving into the middle rounds. You mentioned it, you know, some of the critiques from your first set of scenarios. This time you made sure to address the offensive line. Um, you talked about guard. You talked about tackle. Um, and, and certainly this is something that they, ha- they have a big hole. You mentioned Tyrell Crosby, who was a guy I thought coming into this when Lang walked away, you know, when they let Lang go and he walked away from the game, I thought, you know, Crosby, wow, what a great pick that was last year. He kind of puts them in position to, if they, if they don't have to, they don't have to go blow a second rounder on a guard like you did in the first scenario, but you think they'd prefer to keep him at tackle, even if that means he's not out there playing. Explain that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I will say, I, I think that based on sort of how I approach this in January and how I'm approaching it now is different because I think there there's more of a I at least have more of a sense now that guard is a legitimate option for Tyrell okay. Crosby and I don't know that I got that sense at any point last year it seemed like they just wanted him uh, to be the tackle and be there you know they used an extra tackle a lot when they wanted to run the football um, let him develop there you know play behind Wagner play behind Decker sort of get ready for if one of those guys gets banged up as you know we saw both of them get banged up at points last year and uh, make sure he's ready to step into the starting lineup in a year or two but I I do think that they are going to let him compete for that right guard spot I think they like Ode Ibushi too they signed and um, so you know they again you've got some options you would you like to draft a guard that you know is going to be there for the next 10 years of course but I think that they also feel like they're in better shape now than they were last year when Lang got hurt, and it was basically like Kenny Wiggins has got to play the rest of the season. Like they're in a better spot now than they were then. So um, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Crosby, and I do think some of that probably hinges on the draft because I I do still think they view him long term as a tackle prospect. But if he's their, you know, if he's one of their top five linemen then they're going to play him at right guard this year. All right, well, the Lions have some choices to make. We know you have a lot of choices when it comes to how you spend your time, how you download your podcast, how you listen to your Lions information, where you read stuff. That's why we love it. When you choose theathletic.com, when you subscribe, you know, with your money and read Chris's great work there at theathletic.com and in the app and with your iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or Stitcher subscriptions. Make sure you can hear us at The Athletic Detroit. 
bringing you backward down the field, bringing you the Pistons beat, bringing you the coverage that you love to hear in your eye, you know, your iba AirPods, Bluetooth, whatever sound devices get our words into your ears. We thank you for your ratings, for your reviews. We always shout them out. If you have questions on Twitter, hit us up. I'm at Ty Shelter. He's at Chris Burke NFL. And of course, we love to be here right where you expect us week after week really helps when you rate rate and review us and we'll see you next week or very shortly after as the draft ramps up here on backward down the field the world's largest air supported podcast hit the private jet